DFS MVP. Four for four.com's DFS MVP. I'm Holden Kushner. TJ Hernandez, four for fours, director of DFS. Oh, it's episode 146, and you are bringing it in with some Kanye. Yeah, man. Uh, we actually haven't had any Kanye on the, the playlist this year yet. So bringing it in with all of the lights from Kanye West's 2010 album, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. You could find that intro along with all of the other fantastic intro tracks on the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Go to Spotify, search DFS MVP, or look for it on my Twitter. I'm always tweeting out the link along with the podcast. You know, Kanye West got uh, 0.3%. He got 1,269 votes in Vermont as the president there. It must have been that uh, that Joe Rogan appearance. Gave him a little boost. Is that where he was? Was it up in <laughs> yeah, Vermont? Yeah, yeah. Seriously? I have no idea. Well, you're out in California, huh? I just yeah. looked this up, I guess, since you decided Kanye West. <laughs> um, I mean, he's not even showing. Kanye did not. He was popular out in Vermont, though. There's no question. Good job, Kanye. Congratulations. Good job, Kanye. Yeah, good job. <laughs> All righty, then. So, anyways, here's what's coming up on the show. All right? We got week 13 value plays, and TJ, Saturday nights, has... AMA FAQs, ask me yeah. anything, frequently asked questions. So what do you got? The most common questions from yeah. everyone on Discord? Yeah, we, we do these uh, these AMAs on Discord every week. Um, and a lot of times they do kind of double their, their strategy questions. Um, obviously, there's a lot of week-specific stuff, but they, they end up kind of acting as secondary theory segments because there's just a lot of uh, questions that people ask about all type of things we talk about on this podcast. So I figured um, if they're being asked every single week, uh, it, it might be a good idea to use it as a theory segment. So I looked for some of the uh, most common questions that I get every week, and we'll do some uh, some quick hitters at the end uh, as part of today's theory segment. So uh, longtime listeners might have heard some of this stuff already, but I figured if people are asking it every single week, these can't be too bad to rehash. Yeah, especially if they're in the Discord, you know, and their right. subs and everything doing that. Uh, before we get going, two things. If you missed the Black Friday sale, uh, the permanent price of the DFS sub just dropped to $24 for the rest of the season yeah. through the playoffs. So it's not done at the end of Week 17. We got the playoffs, too. Got yeah, and we, we got a couple extra slates in there. Um, I, I know the uh, week 16 is always a fun week because we always have a, a three-game Saturday slate. Uh, th those games just got released. I believe there's actually a Friday night game in there somewhere, um, and and just the schedule gets a little wonky over the last couple weeks of the season, so it gives us a couple different slates to play with in addition to those playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are gearing up for fantasy playoffs right now. Uh, most people have three or four weeks left in their season. We still have seven or eight, so lots of value left at that 24 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is. So before we get into the value plays, yeah. Wednesday was interesting. Yeah, we're NFL this Wednesday night. I gotta tell you, I woke up. I was in a really good mood. We're out. We're out west too. I'm in Mountain Time in yep. Denver. You're in San Diego on Pacific. So it was a lot different for the East Coasters. Three forty. I don't. I don't know if it was different than that, but I woke up. Man, I was excited. I had yeah. football on today. And the, here's the biggest takeaway that I, besides for just having football, it's just awesome that we're still playing these games. I don't care about any of the other circumstances right now. <laughs> we can bitch and moan about it when it's all said and done. 
My gosh, it it was just watching these games on television and hearing the crowd noise. I don't realize that it's fake yeah, until they too. until they shoot the seats. Yep. And you're just like you're watching a legitimate entertainment production. It's no more is it just like uh it's football. It's like the movies now. They're trying to make it as realistic as possible. Oh, for sure. Because the players are seeing it. It's just them. There's like 500 people in the stadium. Yeah. But we're yeah. seeing it like it's crazy, and and I really am tricked into thinking, or not even thinking about it, that the crowd noise is just there, like it's normal. Yeah, you re- you really do forget watching it on TV. I mean, it's funny because for what we do, we casual people. There's a lot of football fans. Obviously, they they always want to ask us questions, like we have some kind of insight or something. And I think people are always like asking me if things are weird because there's no crowd, and I'm like, well. I mean, from our point of view, nothing's really changed. Our, our job feels the same. And yeah, when you're watching it on TV, um, it, it, it's kind of hard to notice. I mean, I was thinking back in baseball season, now somebody has the cool job of running the soundboard for a, a game. Yeah. I want to do that. How do it I win really that is cool. Yeah. Some, some of these teams have done a really good job with it. Yep. It's impressive. All right, let's get into these plays, dude. Let's start at quarterback. And the always uncomfortable start of one Kirk Cousins, 7,300 FanDuel, 6,400 DraftKings. Uh, this is a pretty nice matchup against Jacksonville. He's getting Thielen back. He's got his Jefferson. We'll see which tight end he decides is uh, going to be. Is, is Irv Smith coming back? We don't know yet, do we? Uh, I don't think he practiced today. We're recording okay. this Wednesday night. So right. so Rudolph would be in there, too. But why, yeah. why do you love Cousins? Uh, I like Cousins because he has, like you mentioned, he has an amazing matchup. Um, his salary is fairly enticing, uh, and the Vikings have a a really big number, actually the highest number on the slate, thirty one and a half projected points. Uh, they're favored by ten and a half. Cousins seventy three hundred Fanduel, sixty four hundred DraftKings versus the Jaguars. Uh, Jacksonville is one of two teams besides Tennessee that ranks in the bottom ten and four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to every single skill position uh, that includes a bottom five ranking against quarterbacks. Now, I, I, I should note that you said we had the, the game um, Pittsburgh and Baltimore's Wednesday, so we actually have a little weird quirk on four for four. We haven't updated our schedule adjusted points yet because it has to get the whole week into the system. Oh. So as we're recording this, I'm actually using last, last week's numbers, but... I mean, things don't really change drastically. So we still know that the Jags and everybody else I mentioned in terms of AFPA, uh, their ratings are going to be pretty close to what we mentioned here. But the point is, Jacksonville is a bad defense. And if you look at a lot of value reports this week, I think you're going to see a few names that pop up that are um, kind of similarly priced and similarly valued. Uh, Those guys are going to be Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, as of this recording, we don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to start because Tua, they said he has a chance to play. So that's why I didn't want to bring up Fitzpatrick here because uh, we're not sure. But looking at Cousins versus Tannehill, if you're flipping a coin or trying to decide between the two who are similarly priced, I actually like Cousins because even though both of these offenses, the Titans and the Vikings, are very run heavy, you're going to have more of a chance for if Dalvin goes off for him to be at least somewhat correlated with Cousins. We know Dalvin will 
is a little bit more involved in the passing game than Derrick Henry. Uh, again, even though he is the focus of their offense, sometimes that is through the passing game. Whereas Henry versus Tannehill, if it's a Henry game, you might get no Tannehill. And Tannehill hasn't really offered the rushing floor this year that he has in the past. So you can't really bank on that. I think three of his last four games, he's been under 10 yards rushing. So with that, Cousins... If he's not going to give us a rushing floor, which we, we don't have um, a lot of our, our ceiling and, and dual threat guys, um, or at least a few of them on the slate this week, we at least want efficiency. And Cousins has been really efficient lately. He is second in touchdown rate over the past six weeks, second in fantasy points per pass attempt, and he gets a lot of that efficiency through the deep ball. He uh, is one of three quarterbacks that's throwing deep. That's 15-plus yards downfield. Um on uh, at least 14% of the time. So a really high deep ball rate with two receivers that are good at, at catching the deep ball in Jefferson and, uh, and, and Adam Thielen, like you mentioned. So when we have that concentrated passing attack, it also gives us a little bit more confidence than somebody like a Tannehill where a defense only has to take away A.J. Brown. Not saying that's easy, but if they do, he's really left without a great passing weapon, whereas Cousins has two fantastic options as well as his running back and sometimes tight end or ancillary pieces like BC's been coming on a little bit as well. So let's talk about Fitzpatrick just for yeah. a sec because yep. Salvin Ahmed went back to practice. He was yep. limited. This is a Wednesday thing. Mm-hmm. And Tua did practice with the thumb. But let's mm-hmm. just say that Fitzmagic goes. He's got the great matchup against the Bengals. Yep. I mean, they, they legit last in pressure rate they don't get anywhere near the quarterback but last week against the jets there was legitimately no running back right we still go back to fitzpatrick it's a nice price i think he is a couple hundred dollars cheaper um than uh than cousins uh so there are like there there are some spots where especially if you're trying to jam in a, a dalvin or a derrick henry or devonta adams that couple hundred bucks can really uh you, you might end up really needing that. My concern with him this week is that Parker's going to be shadowed by, by William Jackson. And William Jackson hasn't shadowed every game, but when he has, uh, Mike Clay was pointing this out on, on uh, one of his write-ups today, that he's, I mean, he's been dominant, period, but when he's decided to shadow, he's really shut down some really good receivers. So taking away uh, Fitzpatrick's number one weapon, I think that whole offense, except, unless we get clarity on a running back um, has a little bit wider range of outcomes than we expect. And those guys are probably going to be more tournament plays and value plays for me. All right. Very good. Let's uh, get to number two, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, why mm. not this guy? What a floor he has yeah. 8,500 FanDuel, 6,800 DraftKings, And he gets the Eagles who are in complete disarray right now. Yeah. We've, we don't have um, amazing quarterback options this week. I mentioned, I mean, if Tannehill and Cousins are, are topping our value reports, that's not something that we're we're used to this year. We're used to a lot of big names, but Aaron Rodgers, he's the guy that you can access that crazy ceiling that we've been really used to this uh, this season. We have no Josh Allen, no Patrick Mahomes on the main slate. We have uh, Russell Wilson's on the slate, but Seattle's really been shifting back to their old Pete Carroll, let's be balanced and run it 50% of the time attack. Kyler Murray 
all of a sudden he's not running. I think that has a lot to do with his shoulder uh, injury. It seems like he's just like trying not to get touched. And then Deshaun Watson's values down with Will Fuller out, which we'll get to in a little bit. So if we're looking at those ceiling quarterbacks, like Aaron Rodgers is the only one I really feel comfortable with on the slate. Now he's expensive. You're going to have to pay up for him, and that's going to be hard to do. Um, but he has access to that that forty po- point game where I don't know who else on this slate does unless Wilson you know has that uber efficient game. But uh, the Packers favored by nine, uh, twenty eight imp- point implied point total against. Uh, I mean Philly, they're they're a wreck. They rank twenty fourth in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. But I mean you could you could make the argument that with with the way their offense is playing and, and how they're turning the ball over and how they're letting uh, defenses get quarter uh, pressure on the quarterback that Packers could end up in a lot of really, really good field position scenarios and a lot of scoring scenarios. And that's obviously been uh, very beneficial to Rodgers. He's the, the most efficient quarterback in the league right now, uh, over 9% touchdown rate over the last six weeks. Let's move on to the running back position. And this guy, I think he's going to be mega chalk. He didn't mm-hmm. just be chalk. He's going to be mega yeah, chalk. Austin sure. Eckler, FanDuel, 7K, DraftKings, 7.1. And what do you have? Uh, he had, including the four targets, he had 26 touches and four targets that he didn't catch. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. 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 It could have easily been a 30 touch day. Um, 16 targets altogether, 73% of snaps. So he didn't even get like that 80, 90% snap share and still seen 25 touches in a game. So, I mean, there was, um, there was a couple reports uh, that came out earlier, maybe a report that came out early that they said they weren't sure what kind of workload he was going to get, even though uh, Kalen Balage was out. Um, obviously those reports were false. Eckler went right back to, the, the workload that everybody was expecting and hoping early in the year when he was a, a first-round, second-round fantasy pick. Uh, barely priced as a top-10 running back on Fandle, so he's definitely going to be chalked there. As, as far as how people are fitting him in, maybe on DraftKings, I mean, I, I guess it's going to come down a little bit to how people are trying to jam in Dalvin and, and Derrick Henry. I think Dalvin will... He's crazy expensive, 10-5 on, on FanDuel, 9,500 on, on DraftKings. I think people are going to find a way to get there, but I'm I'm assuming Eckler is is the RB2 or RB1 if, if people are being price sensitive. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's going to be extremely popular. Uh, New England isn't necessarily a um, restrictive defense anymore. Their bottom half in schedule adjusted points allowed to running backs, and we've seen – Obviously, we knew this with Eckler's usage, but I mean, he he's pretty game script proofed. Again, he's not going to see 16 targets every game, but he can easily be uh, with the way Kamara is being used now. Eckler can easily be the most targeted running back for the rest of the season. Justin Herbert just saved this offense. Could you imagine yeah. if Tyrod Taylor was the guy for the Man. first half of the season even? Yeah, and and that's that's another thing like the the effect of we we didn't really know what Eckler was going to look like. Um, with Herbert in there, they've been throwing a ton, throwing deep a lot. Herbert's had one of the the uh, highest deep rates in the league, so there there was some uncertainty. I I mentioned when Eckler was um, was announced active that I wasn't going to confidently use him in cash. Obviously, I was way wrong, um, but it's it's nice to see that he is being used uh, like he should be. That's gonna be the best job out there, I think. Once uh, Anthony Lynn 
is uh, relieved of his duties oh, yeah. after this season. You think yeah, about but... that. There's just so many different ways to look at it. Like, first of all, you got the quarterback. Yeah. You got you're you're the second team in L.A. You've got no f- real fan base. You get to build that. The pressure isn't there. You got a gorgeous new facility that you can hang out in. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, their offense is obviously there, and their defense yeah. has. I mean, they got a pass rush, obviously with Bosa, but they haven't even really clicked or figured thing figured things out on that side. Like they can, uh, they can be competing really, really soon. They got an elite wide receiver. They got a, you know, I mean, listen, running backs, you can find guys, but they do have Austin Eckler. I mean, this guy's this is an elite athlete right here. Yeah, uh, David Montgomery. Let's let's go to Montgomery again. Very uncomfortable when I start him, but yeah. He, he he's getting some volume 6200 Fanduel, 5500 DraftKings. we're targeting the lions here it is matchup play central yeah it feels like a hold your nose play since we don't have a lot of um cheap running backs or, or really any cheap running backs besides montgomery that that you can confidently plug in but if you go down the list like the the pool of floor plays is really really thin we got dalvin cook derrick henry um i guess you could throw nick chubb in there as a really high floor play now that we saw him with like a 70 percent workload james robinson austin eckler and then after that question mark question mark question mark aaron jones question mark workload alvin Kamara question mark workload uh miles sanders horrible offense deandre swift tough matchup um only one really big game of of uh of workload chris carson came back got outworked by Carlos Hyde. So like there aren't floor plays. They're all gone. So David Montgomery, you kind of have to put way up in your rankings, uh, especially when you consider his uh, price. I know people are always going to be super trepidatious about rostering bears, especially in cash games because their offense has a scary floor, but, but they're favored. They're playing a Detroit defense that's last in schedule adjusted points to running backs. And it's not just inflated by touchdowns. They've allowed the most touchdowns on the ground and through the air, but they're getting beat um, through the air in terms of yardage, getting beat on the ground uh, with yardage bottom four in both categories there. So with Montgomery seeing 19 touches per game over the last six weeks, uh, and that includes a game where he left early in 90% of, of running back touches in all of those games, except for that game he left early. I mean, you, you have to use him. We saw him go over a uh, hundred total yards and, and I think like 140 or 150 total yards against green Bay last week in a score in bad game script. So if this game is close, you have to think David Montgomery, um, he has, I think, more ceiling than people are really giving him credit for. He's, he's being used in the passing game, five targets in six of his last seven games. I mean, there's opportunity to score against a really bad defense that's that's banged up now too so i mean montgomery is a i think he's a fine play i know again i know bears you see the bears you see that c on the helmet and it's it's scary but uh montgomery's a really good play yeah (laughs) again it's it's a hold your nose guy just like kirk cousins but the time is right. You pull the trigger and yep. it looks like a good week to do that right now. Yeah. Uh, wide receivers. So Will Fuller suspended. We don't have Randall Cobb. Uh, Kenny still is not like he was a big part. Anyways, he's gone. DeAndre Carter. Give me a break. Kiki QT. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah Coulter, if you really want to go down, do a little work on him. Yeah. See if, if he's comfortable. But Brandon Cooks is probably going to get a lot of looks, isn't he? Yeah, I think I mean, I, I think. Uh, QT is actually interesting because like I, 
I think people have he's he's randomly popped up on these like primetime spots or playoff games and been in at least the DFS community people know him really well as this super low average depth of target like if he's going to score it's going to be on DK he's going to get 10 catches for 40 yards and he you know you hope he scores but he was actually getting targeted deep last week which was really interesting so QT's uh I mean I think he only had three targets but I think two of them were pretty long throws but QT's He's interesting, and then I think Jordan Akins could get some added goal line work, but the the floor play, the the confident play here is going to be Brandon Cooks. Uh, Fuller and Cooks were combining for 46% of the Houston targets over the last month. Uh, We know that Cooks has the ability to go deep. Uh, The first half of the season, it was Cooks uh, and Fuller were kind of seeing similar deep targets since the bye. Fuller's kind of taken that role over a little bit. More deep targets where Cooks inherited more volume. Uh, but Fuller's, he's leaving 21 deep targets behind. That's uh, that's top 15 in the league. So I think we can see Cooks, he's going to keep that volume. But, I mean, I don't want to say a Tyreek Hill-like role. Obviously, nobody's Tyreek. But at least in terms of a player that has... 10 target per game upside with an average depth of target like those like 14 15 yards average depth of target like you just don't get those very often um and and he's going to have the opportunity to do that now as as obviously can be a really good deep threat and then watson i've talked about it multiple times just talked about it with cousins we like to be tied to efficient quarterback play and, and watson has been um top top four or five in fantasy points per pass attempt and and um yards per attempt whatever efficiency metric you want to look at this year watson's been up there uh, so with all of that brandon cooks even though it's a tough matchup against the colts we have him as a top three value on both sides just because those salaries um i i think they came out before the suspension right that's why he's so cheap mm-hmm. yeah that's exactly what it is mm-hmm. uh then we can go on to the rams a lot of people like cup uh, I always seem to lean toward Woods for whatever reason week to week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It really is even. Sometimes it comes down to price. 7,100 Fandles, 5,900 DraftKings, and the Rams are taking on Arizona on the road. Yeah, I mean, one thing that the Rams have done this year, they've, they've always done it a little bit, but it, I think it's been more extreme this year, is specifically Woods and Cup lining up everywhere. So they've both always been guys um, that can dominate the slot. Woods uh, a little more versatile on the outside, but they've both been getting a ton of their targets while they're lined up in the slot. So whoever's rotating, um, that when they're in the slot, they're, they're getting targeted. And I think that's why they've both been really high floor plays. But then you throw in Woods gets a lot of, you know, the, the jet sweeps, the, the rushes. That adds... Uh, a little bit of another layer and, and I think that's why I like to gravitate towards Woods too so he's 7100 Fandle 5900 DraftKings uh, if you compare him to Cup they're a little bit closer on DraftKings Woods is a little bit more expensive on Fandle but we have him projected uh, Woods as a better value on both sites both Woods and Cup averaging over nine targets per game over the last month uh, but we've seen Woods really come on the last couple games, 27 targets in the last two games combined with a 30% target share in each of those games. And one of the reasons we've seen both Woods and Cup have the, those uh, escalated targets lately is because the Rams, they started the season as a very run-heavy team. They've kind of been 
trending towards the pass a little bit more. Eighth highest passing rate neutral game script over the last month. And I like just getting exposure to this game, um, both in cash games on, on the Rams side and just GPPs stack it because this is the only game with uh, two offenses that rank in the top 10 in neutral pace, according to Football Outsiders. And because of the things I mentioned with Kyler Murray, uh, I think people are, are going to be low on um, on Kyler and and just that offense in general, maybe both of these offenses as a whole, and I think it's a, a sneaky uh, sneaky game to stack this week. All right, I like hearing that one, Robert Woods. Uh, the I'm, the only thing is this the Kyler Murray mm-hmm. AC joint, the fact mm-hmm. that Seattle and New England kind of kept them from running too. Yeah. Is that just a hiccup to you, or is that something it's, you need to watch? I, I saw. I don't. I wish I remembered who I could give credit to. I saw like one a, a mini Twitter film breakdown, and and they were basically showing him like it. It looked like he was, whereas he was really extending plays, extending runs, um, sliding, maybe taking hits. Like it's not that obviously it's not affecting his legs and and i believe it's his non-throwing shoulder but more so that it's so much pain that he's just really trying to avoid hits um so if that's the case then i i think it might not be a hiccup at least yeah, in terms of his rushing floor yeah it was a little concerning to me i thought mm-hmm. seattle may have just schemed it up well but yeah you know then new england did the same thing last right. week so we'll find out some more it's not like the rams are an easy team to attack too sure sure uh, but sneaky shootout all of a sudden, Robert Woods, boom, Michael Pittman jr. Ooh, let's go to the Colts here. Visiting Houston, 5,600 on FanDuel, 4,900 on DK, not on my radar at all. So you have put him on it. Tell me why. Yeah, this is another one that, um, I think is going to go a little bit overlooked, um, because we do have some, some high total games like the Vikings, like the Titans, obviously Aaron Rodgers. Um, people are going to be looking at Russell Wilson. People are going to be looking at because they have a high total now with Houston without um, Will Fuller um, in a tough matchup against Indy. I think people are going to be low on them. And then it, it just kind of feels like people have an aversion to Indy as an offense to target because they've had uh, a really spread out um, running back committee. And then because Phillip Rivers is, you know, it's, it's it always feels like he doesn't give you a lot of upside, but he's been – uh, offering these guys a little bit of upside, specifically Michael Pittman, seven plus targets in three of his last four games with over 25% of the Titans air yards in that stretch. Houston is obviously a defense we can attack through the air. 27th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, two opposing wide receivers and Michael Pittman. He's our top value uh, priced under $6,000 on FanDuel and he's a top two value priced under $5,000 on DraftKings. So his his uh, volume has been coming on a little bit. Uh, he does see targets downfield. He has a little bit of game breaking ability there and he's still really cheap. So uh, the, the, the back and forth potential of this game is intriguing and I think Pittman is cheap enough on a really thin value slate where you can consider him for cash games. So tight end, I know you want to talk about Waller. Come on. We got to get to Tunyon. By the way, it's Tunyon. You, you <laughs> it's heard Tunyon. it to Rico do it. It's it's T O N, but it's ton Robert Tunyon. I'll do it for you. Robert Tunyon, 5,900 FanDuel, 3,700 DraftKings against the Eagles. A few weeks ago, the guy explodes doing nothing last two weeks. Boom. All of a sudden he's a massive yep. part of this offense again. He is really, really attractive. It's 3,700 on DraftKings. Yeah, I mean, we'll 
we're probably going to be talking about this for the rest of the season. We've been talking about it the last few weeks, but uh, tight end is all of a sudden very, very thin. Um, Tunyon has five targets in back-to-back games. That's a, a decent floor for the position. Um, in the only other game that he's faced a team that ranks in the bottom 10 and schedule just fantasy points allowed, he scored three touchdowns and went over 30 fantasy points. That was against the Falcons back in week three or four. Now, obviously we're not projecting him. You can't even project. You can't project anyone for multiple touchdowns, but we've seen him do well against bad off bad defenses. Philly is 24th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. And if the position is going, is going to be really thin, why not expose yourself to what could be the highest scoring um, offense of the week, which is, I would argue outside of the Chiefs, the best passing game in the league, get exposure to that offense at a very cheap price. Again, I, I mentioned up top with Aaron Rodgers, I, I don't think a lot of people are going to be able to or want to pay all the way up for him in cash games, but get some cheap exposure to him uh, through Tanyan or Tanyan, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Darren Waller. We talk about him every single week. There's no one else to talk about. Like he's the yeah, he's the name up top when Kelsey's keep, off the list. And they, put, they keep putting the Chiefs in primetime. Kittle's not playing. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm not going to count Ertz as one of the big guys anymore. Heck, no. Goddard might be that guy. But Andrews Andrews plays on, on Wednesdays. Yeah. When, when do they play next week? Monday? <laughs> um, they're supposed to play Monday. We'll see. Ben Roethlisberger was so pissed off. It was so great. He was. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of passive aggressive, but Dan was at a really good rant on the NFL. Just wonderful. He's like, "Yeah, we just played the first part of our double header." He's like, yeah, "Want to thank the NFL for giving us an opportunity to push this back to Wednesday so that we could miss the snow." He just took a couple of digs at him. It was terrific. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Darren Waller, seven K on Fanduel, sixty one hundred DraftKings at the Jets. Lock them in if you're paying out. Yeah, I mean, you said that there's no Kelsey on the slate. There's no there's no other reliable player at the position. Every other player has a floor of two fantasy points. All of them. Uh, Evan Ingram? So, he's playing with Colt McCoy now. Oh, come on, he's looking <laughs> his way. He'll catch more than two passes for 10 yards. But no, uh, every, everybody does have a huge question, don't they? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, D- Darren Waller and the Raiders favored by seven and a half. Being favored is always a, a good thing for tight ends. A positive game flow does actually help tight ends quite a bit. The Raiders are implied for just under 28 points. Uh, top target share at the position. He's been right around that 28% target share all season. It was 19% last week, but that's obviously not going to uh, – to stay that way. Um, our friend uh, Rich Rebar had a really good tweet either late last night or early this morning. Darren Waller's gone over 50 yards in just three games this season and is still the weekly tight end to no questions asked. This tight end season really is the worst. Um, it's it's funny because obviously it's true. Um, like he hasn't even had these crazy ceiling yardage games and is still clearly the top guy, but it's easy to, to laugh and say, yeah, tight end sucks. Like, what's the point? But I, I do think there is a lesson in there, especially in DFS. And that lesson is take more bold stands at tight end because if the top guy on the slate like barely has a ceiling of 15 yards, then you should be 
more willing to really be contrarian at the position, not just in GPPs, but in cash games as well. Because when you are forced to roster this position where nobody is giving you a floor, then what's the point of of eating the chalk at that position. So it just doesn't make sense, but somehow we're still going to have guys that are in 15 to 20% of lineups, whether it ends up being uh Tunyon or Rudolph. If the position is so bad, why would you ever play the chalk when there's so much volatility? So, I mean, it's again, it's really easy just to look at the position and say it sucks, but it's a really good opportunity in DFS to take a stand. You're taking that stand. I, I will when I do once I do ownership projections tomorrow morning. I'm I'm late on them this week. I'm I'm cheating this week, guys. Why? There's no, there because there's no Thursday night football, so there's no rush to get them out. I try to get them out before the slate starts, so I'm 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 giving myself a a, a two hour breather this week, and waiting and pushing it off to to the next day. That's lame. <laughs> That's that's just weak. I'm sorry. I mean, come on, I'm so, man. I'm sorry, guys. You can't build. You you're not gonna be able to confidently build your Sunday lineups on Wednesday night. You're gonna have to wait till Thursday afternoon. <sighs> Did you ever go through that when the salaries have come out and then you just build the lineup and just oh, I do it. Every, I do. I do it every week. How every week do I you do I, that. I build, man. I build a Monday. I build a lineup on Monday every week. I actually think it's oh, a really. I know this is a tangent. Not for I, me. I think it's a really good exercise in just having getting in your subconscious who you think is a good value before you have outside influence. Like just jump on the app. I'm, I'm not doing any research. I'm jumping on the app and just like quickly building a team who looks like a good value based on what I know in the back of my head. And I mean, it, it can give you like a little bit of an idea either where maybe where your process is off or where you might find some contrarian spots later in the week. If, if you liked someone at first glance and he's not popping up anywhere, that might be someone to do some, some research on. I mean, this isn't something that I'm like doing super painstakingly and taking notes, but I might spend, you know, five, 10 minutes just kind of glancing at it. And then it's, but at least it's, it's in my subconscious or in the back of my head going into the week. This has got to be like five years ago. And I'm up in New York with Raybon and uh, we're, he's, he's telling Shout me about... Shout out to Raybon. What up, Raybon? Four, 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 great. Yeah, what up, Raybon? And he's explaining to me, like, his process. I'm like, really, dude? Because, you know, some weeks I'll just get on there Monday night when they drop, and I'll just build that lineup and just keep tinkering with that one lineup all week long. He's <laughs> like, are you driving yourself nuts? I said, yeah, I'm driving myself nuts. He goes, then stop doing it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know what? There's a lot more enjoyable experience when I'm not just continuing to do that. So... Uh, my mind is not wired that way. I cannot do that without driving myself absolutely up the wall. No, that's, uh, that's, I mean, that is really, really good self-awareness though. And I, I mean, we've got in, in preseason, sometimes we talk about like just the psychology of DFS and like things that you, you do to, to, um, to make your process better. And uh, one of those things that I, I always talk about, like having, uh, specific goals tailored to who you are, but like not everyone's process should be the same. Like what works for me isn't going to work for you. So, I mean, that is all of those little notes are really important. I think in being a really good DFS player. Cause yeah, it's a, uh, it's a grind. You yeah. I started, it, you got to make it as fun as possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I started just enjoying it a little bit more because all I was doing was second guessing myself. Every yeah, for sure. Time. And now it's like, all right, after so many years and you're always refining your process. But now for me, it's Tuesday night, come up with three guys, every position for mm -hmm. another job, get that going. Uh, 
Wednesday, we're talking about it. We're exchanging ideas. Same thing yeah. as Thursday. Same thing. You know, by Friday night, usually the core is starting to come together. For sure. How about you? Yep. Friday night, right? And then we'll get to your Saturday night thing. Boy, we've taken some time on these plays. I like this. Good conversation Sorry. tonight. Uh, I love your defenses because they're both horrible. <laughs> Seattle, 4,700 on FanDuel, 3,300 on DK against the New York Giants. And that veritable force of Colt McCoy at quarterback? Well, they, they uh, are horrible in real life, but... We have them projected as a top three value on both sides. There are top value on DraftKings at 3,300, and that probably has a lot to do with the fact that they're favored by 10 points. The fact that the Giants are 23rd in schedule just fantasy points allowed to opposing defense. And Colt McCoy has the fourth highest career sack rate of any active quarterback um, in the league. Uh, so I th- that's uh, Deshaun Watson, Robert Griffin, and I don't remember who the other one is. But uh, the point is, out of all of the active quarterbacks, Colt McCoy is the fourth highest career sack. Uh, sacks are, are usually a, a quarterback stat as much as they are an offensive line stat, if not more. So regardless of what the Giants' pass blocking has looked like, um, Colt McCoy has an issue with getting sacked, and that obviously plays in to the upside of a defense so if seahawks get up big like we're expecting them to it doesn't matter what the giants game plan is going to be in terms of of run pass splits colt mccoy might be forced to throw a lot and that's obviously not good for anybody that is using colt mccoy as a quarterback and then the lions here's another dusty uh, Mm -hmm. play here love this one 3500 fandle 2500 DraftKings. what are we doing here yeah, Dusty's right. They just lost uh, Desmond Trufant as well, so they're bad. And, well, and they gained up. the no coach. That's but, good. <laughs> but they're uh, they're a slight underdog, but they're they're a punt option. Thirty five hundred on Fanduel, twenty five hundred on DraftKings. We've seen it uh, time and time again. If if you can save salary and and get up to some other players, sometimes it's worth it just to take a a, a complete punt at a position. You still want to look for some kind of built in upside. Trubisky has the highest interception rate of any quarterback going on this slate. And Chicago, they've uh, they've really ramped up their passing rate, surprisingly enough. They're, uh, every quarter of the season, if we break it up into four-week chunks, their neutral passing rate has got a little bit higher. So f- for whatever reason, they keep deciding to throw more, but that's good for our opposing defense's opportunities for sacks and interceptions. All right, very good. Uh, we're going to get to our theory segment i this isn't even really theory this is just flat out fun tj hosts an ama every friday or saturday night saturday night excuse me and before we get into the details of like the time and the topics and the questions that people ask you that we'll discuss like i have three different categories i want to know if you guys talk about it do you ever talk about bacon bacon i i I get um a lot of food questions but never specifically bacon um, for some reason, it's slanted towards sweets. I don't know what that, why, oh, but we've sweets. got a lot of questions about sweets this year. What's your favorite? Like, what's your um, go-to? For me, it's ice cream. Like, I, I, my, if if I'm really craving something, it's uh, a an old-fashioned maple donut. Ooh. Uh, yeah, that's that's my go-to. Um, this time of year, really big fan uh, of pumpkin pie. Okay. And then. Uh, if we're if we're talking breakfast food, I cannot pass up French toast. Oh, French toast is good. Um, the zoo. Do you ever talk about the zoo or the zoo? The, yeah, pets or animals and stuff. No, I haven't got uh, okay. haven't got animal questions. I I do love 
the non-football questions are yeah. my favorite. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, are there other things? How about it libations? Like, you're we, you're a bartender. Tons, we get tons of beer and whiskey. All questions. right, here we tons go. Tons of beer and whiskey questions. Tons of them, huh? Yeah, yeah. What's the number one question you get concerning beer and whiskey before we get to the DFS um, most asked questions? It's usually what's what's my favorite whiskey or what's my favorite cocktail. Um, I like I like rye whiskey, so like Sazerac ryes are really good. It's like my go-to affordable whiskey. But uh, if I'm looking for something really nice, I'm I'm a Scotch guy, and then I love just a classic old-fashioned. It's a classic old-fashioned baby. Now you know more about. Uh, TJ via his DFS MVP AMA fate yeah, FAQ. If you're, if you're in there, you would have known already. It's only $24. Sign up for DFS. That's it. For the rest of the season, you get access get to going. the Discord channel. So when are you answering these questions? Saturday night when? Uh, we, at 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Okay. So here's all the big questions that you always get. We're going to unearth them and talk about them right now. Yeah. So Saturday, 6 o'clock Eastern. Here's the big question coming to TJ. What's your top stack? How do you pinpoint your favorite stacks? Yeah, so, I mean, that's probably the the number one question every week going into it because we do talk about our, our core on this podcast, um, and I write up the core every week. And I do write up tournament plays, but I think tournaments are the things that change the most. So the, the biggest question always, like, what stack are you targeting? So obviously it's going to change week by week, but the process – of pinpointing my favorite stacks i think um is there there's a lesson there theory wise and obviously it's it's which ceiling quarterbacks are available and and this year has been super unique in that we've had like five or six guys that really have a ceiling that is unlike the rest of the field so it's been a year where you haven't necessarily been looking for a contrarian quarterback because you're bypassing so many ceiling options so in those weeks I haven't really been trying to get off of of the chalk stacks rather I'm looking at the top quarterbacks and looking for spots where I can be contrarian with some of their pass catchers that I like. So for example, like last week, I like a Josh Allen, um, maybe because I could get um, a relatively unpopular Cole Beasley compared to um, Gabriel, Davi- Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs, whereas some other offenses that might not have um, tantalizing secondary options might be the ones that I choose to fade. Um, and then something else that I, I like to look at when I'm trying to decide what stacks uh, I can build is, am I going to have options to have a unique salary structure? Things that people people are always just really laser focused on, obviously the ceiling of the plays and, and something like who the actual players are. Are you going to be able to pair whoever it might be, um, Kyler Murray with, with DeAndre Hopkins or Kyler Murray with Christian Kirk, for example? But one thing I like to look at is, the stacks that I like, are there players that they're tied to that are going to be in pricing ranges where um, I can be unique? So maybe I like, say, I don't know, a, a Jared Goff for whatever reason. Um, if people are really loading up on expensive wide receivers and then doing like a high-low strategy, if I find a quarterback that I like with mid-price wide receivers, that's going to naturally lead me to a relatively um, unique lineup structure. So that's another thing that I like to think about. And then is there is there chalk that you can 
tie your quarterback stacks to, um, especially in weeks where there isn't mega chalk. So if we have somebody like a, let's just go back to a, a DeAndre Hopkins. Um, if I'm planning on, on putting DeAndre Hopkins in my player pool, but he's going to be relatively popular, and I'm trying to decide if I want Kyler Murray in my player pool or not, why not include Kyler Murray with my DeAndre Hopkins? So when if I am eating the chalk on my at wide receiver, at least it's benefiting the upside of my lineup as a whole. Like if I'm just playing DeAndre Hopkins as a as a one-off chalk play, I'm not really gaining any ground on the field. Whereas if I include him in uh, maybe like a double stack or a game stack, at the very least he's uh, increasing the overall ceiling of my lineup so i might be more inclined to where if i do want to be on a chalk wide receiver then be more inclined to include his quarterback in those stacks hmm. the next popular question you would get tj how do you determine who's a good leverage play yeah so is I that what it would sound like if they if the writing just the, came the to AMA life? is usually um it's usually just who's your who's your top leverage play this week. So it's okay. they're usually people are usually looking for a name, uh, but here since we're in the theory segment, twist it into like how you determine who a good leverage play is. Oh yeah. So I mean the the two things that I'm looking at are obviously a leverage play off of a very popular. It's it's usually two ways that I'm looking at. A popular running back is their leverage with their pass game. A popular pass game is their leverage with their running back. Or can you gain leverage as a price pivot? So uh, going to, to the first one, let's pretend we have a very popular um, passing game and you're looking for leverage play at running back. You still need to be able to, to check all the boxes uh, for your running back. Like we're not going just because the Rams are a popular passing game. We're not automatically going to jam a Daryl Henderson or a Cam Akers because they're running their backfield doesn't really have upside. So just because it's technically a leverage play off of a popular offense, you still want volume. Um, you still want passing work. Um, you might want to include them in game stacks and you obviously want goal line opportunity and, uh, and then vice versa. Um, if you have a popular running back, you still want an offense that is going to give you passing upside, whether it be through a high implied team total, um, or against a, a, a bad defense or a quarterback that's hyper efficient. Um, you know, in, in the weeks where, where Derrick Henry is super chalk, you don't necessarily just want to blindly play Ryan Tannehill if it's, um, if it's a game where they're not expected to score a lot of points. So we are still looking for those markers of a good DFS play. Obviously, the, the definition of a leverage play is somebody that is going to be low-owned. And then... Like, are they actual good leverage plays? Like, is there actually leverage to be had? There's a really big difference between a slate where we have a couple, maybe wide receivers projected over 30%, a running back projected over 40%, um, or a running back or two projected over 40%, sometimes a quarterback projected around 20%. Those are massive leverage opportunities. But then we also have weeks where ownership is really spread out the most popular running back might be 22 percent the most popular wide receiver might be in the same range in those weeks maybe we shouldn't be looking for 
quote unquote leverage plays, we should be looking for ways to be unique with one-offs or in game stacks. So, I mean, every week is different and we shouldn't necessarily just be forcing what we think is a leverage play off the chalk. Um, it's, it's a very fluid definition. Hmm. The next question you would get would be what, what chalk you're fading that week. Yeah. Um, are you, are you on this guy? Uh, this one is, it's, it's always going to have huge variance week to week. Um, you know, cause obviously matchups roles are, are going to be fluid, but I think what I'm, it's, it's kind of, uh, a, a rebranding of like who's good chalk, who's bad chalk. Um, a lot of type, a lot of times the the worst chalk or the chalk that I'm fading the most is going to be um, wide receivers that are in new roles, and those are usually going to be cheap wide receivers. So um, a lot of times, a wide receiver is injured, and then their backup or the wide receiver three on that team. Uh, their salary doesn't change. They might be like a $4,000 wide receiver. And just because they're supposed to be in a bigger role, now all of a sudden they're like in 25% of lineups. Like that is just a, such an obvious play to fade unless they're tied to like an Aaron Rodgers and they have a history of having big games in these spots. There's just so much variance with pass catchers. Uh, and it isn't like running back in the respect that the next guy up is just going to absorb all the work. Those targets can be spread to 10 different players maybe. Um, so that that's a lot of times a, um, a player that I'm going to fade. And then uh, running backs with no receiving floor. A lot of times those guys are, are really good players to fade because we know they have crazy low floors. So if you have... Uh, I mean, the classic example is always Derrick Henry, and it's it's been hard to fade him a lot. But we've seen it earlier this year be, because he doesn't catch the ball. If he doesn't score, there are spots where the, the matchup looks good, but if he doesn't get into the end zone, he can easily have a 100-yard game where he only gets you 13 fantasy points on DraftKings, even with the bonus, because um, he doesn't catch the ball. And, and that is very much in his range of outcomes. So these players, these running backs that are mega chalk that – have these really terrifying floors i think sometimes those are good running backs to to fade when they're super chalky well this is a fun one because uh, i mostly play single entry tournaments so mm -hmm. my thing is i'll play one lineup on fanduel i'm, I'm just over fanduel and then i'll probably <laughs> play between four and five on DraftKings. The the customer service just killing me dude it's it sure. it's really is uh so i moved just about everything over to, to DraftKings, and i'll probably play four or five lineups over there yeah and maybe, I mean, some weeks it's just all single entry tournaments. So the question yeah. you get is what, how do I approach those? Yeah. Outside of, um, of player questions, this is probably the most popular question, especially for, for new subs. Um, so I, I definitely don't mind talking about it every week and having it asked to me every week. Um, I, I just think it is a, it's an ill-informed question. Not, not to say that people are, are bad. They just haven't had the experience to understand why it's a bad question because the approach for your tournament, um, and, and a lot of times it's tied to cash game. Like the question is often phrased as like, can I just play my cash lineup in a single entry tournament? Um, the answer to that isn't so much the single entry aspect of it. Obviously, if you're going to be playing a cash lineup in a tournament type of game, you want it to be single entry, but it's it's more tied to the size of the tournament. So my kind of loose rule of thumb is that if there's a 100 or fewer people in the tournament, 
I think your cash lineup is going to have a good enough chance to have built-in ceiling where you can top 100 people. Like, there's probably going to be enough variance, and there aren't going to like most of the field isn't going to be um, mega stacking to the point where you're not going to have a chance to take it down. I, I put my um, my cash lineup in a $9 winner take all every week on DraftKings. It's 130 people, so it's a little bigger than what I'm talking about. Um, I took one down last year, took one down uh, this year. It's $9, turns into a thousand bucks. So obviously that pays for itself multiple times over, even if you don't um, cash again for the rest of the year. So that, that kind of size is kind of the cutoff for what I want to play my cash lineup in. Now, if it's 150, 160, um, a little under 200, maybe I'll more embrace the uh, the the stacking in my cash lineup. Um, like I've talked about a lot on here with things like head-to-heads where if I have two equally valued pass catchers, I might be more willing to um, pick the one that's paired with my quarterback if the contest is a little bit larger, um, just to have that built-in upside a little bit. But the single entry question, I think where a lot of people get this wrong is they they are just thinking like, oh, it's single entry, should I play my cash lineup? You want to kind of think about how the majority of people are going to approach it, even if it's something like 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 people in a single entry contest. These are going to be more value-based than something like a huge multi-entry contest just because people are going to be less likely to take huge chances um, uh, on crazy one-off plays if they only have a single bullet. Just psychologically, it's going to be harder for someone to pull the trigger off um, on a a crazy one-off play. And because of that, you're going to see lineups that do look closer to cash. I mean, people... I think are advanced enough, even novice players to know that bigger tournaments, they should have some built in upside. I think what um, people don't do enough in single entry tournaments is really heavy stack. Um, And, and Mike Leone of, of established run has been talking about this a lot this year. You don't need to be perfect to take down a single entry tournament again, because there's just going to be less player combinations. People aren't going to be putting in every single combination. So because of that, if you get a a four or five man stack correct, you might win a a 2000 person single entry contest with maybe 190 DK points, or you might need 240 in a bigger tournament to take it down. So if you hit that stack, you don't need to have the nuts everywhere else. Um, so I would say in single entry tournaments, you are probably not embracing game stacks enough. Hmm. People aren't stacking, really? People are stacking. I think people are less inclined to heavily game stack in single entry. Okay. And then you know, the tournament selection is the other big question, right? So they talk yeah. to you about the single entry. What about the tournament selection? Just in general, um, this one is, there. there's not a lot of theory to it. It's really just look it up and, and figure it out. I post these charts every week in the Discord, and then I'll, I'll tweet out uh, a portion of it sometimes. But basically, when they ask me what tournaments I'm looking for, I'm looking for the flattest payout structures possible. Now, if you're looking to turn $5 into $100,000, have at it. Just find the biggest pools and and you know that's that's what you're doing but if you're 
looking for a little better return on your buck, if you're looking for a better chance to take down a tournament, you know, you might not win $50,000, but you might win $5,000. I'm looking for these flatter games and I'm usually looking for smaller games. Um, so I kind of start my search at tournaments under 20,000 people. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just, that's where um, I can start like, looking through all the tournaments without being super overwhelmed and then obviously the smaller they get um, the, the more I like them um, but what I'm looking for is how much of the field is paid how much of the money is going to first and uh, how much how that money is spread out throughout the tournament and I look at that by comparing the 10th place prize to the first place prize now this isn't perfect science but I do this every week and kind of found that there's this like really tight range of where what I call these best tournaments fall into. So I want to find a tournament where a quarter of the field is paid, where no more than 10% of the money's going to first place and the 10th place prize compared to the first place prize is like above 5%. So if first place is say 5,000, I want 10th place to be about $500 because then at least if you're, you, you don't want to be in a position where you beat 15,000 people, you know, you, you, uh, you beat 14,995 people and you only tuned your $2 into 200 bucks. Like that sucks. You know, you, you at least want to have some kind of decent gradual decline, um, where you can, you can find, uh, you know, some upside, even if you don't come in first. So, some extreme examples, um, or not extreme examples, just other end of the spectrum. Um, DraftKings has uh, a 20 max $4 tournament with about 15,000 entries in it. It pays out uh, almost 4,000 of those entries. You can turn your four bucks into 5,000. If you come in 10th place, you still win 400 bucks, $4 into 500 bucks. It's a pretty good tournament. Uh, a little higher price, FanDuel has a... $100 single entry tournament with only 2,000 people in it. Turn your 100 bucks into 16,000. If you come in first, 10th place, you still win $2,000. It pays out 515. So um, you you have to go by hand and or, or go through and look all through all of these things or, or look in the AMA. I will give a shout out to our friends over at Roto Grinders. They have a really good uh, Chrome plugin that calculates some of these numbers for you that shows up right on your desktop. I have no idea how to use any of it. I got to be search, honest with you. <laughs> search search Roto Grinders in your extensions in Chrome. And that, and you'll see one for DraftKings, one for FanDuel. All you have to do is download it and you'll see these numbers popping up on your that are overlaid on your screens and um and it's some of these numbers. So shout out to our friends over at RG. Is this lineup too chalky or contrarian? That's a question you get a lot of, huh? It's oh, all relative. Sure. It's it's all relative. So I think what um people do wrong is they um when you're building a tournament lineup just kind of look you want to be building lineups that have a a range um of ownership i look at it as average ownership some people look at it as total ownership it's the same thing take all of your players projected ownership and average it out or take all of your players projected ownership and add it up so uh the average um, always kind of condenses on DraftKings, and this is for um, this is for huge multi-entry tournaments. Obviously, you can be on the higher side the smaller the tournament gets. The average for the winners in the Millionaire and the Sunday Million is usually around twelve to thirteen percent. The range 
um, for the average uh, ownership is usually between like nine and like 16. So if you're building a, uh, a tournament lineup, you average all of your players' ownership, projected ownerships out. Um, nine's going to be a little bit too low. I'd say you want to average between like 10 and 15 and give yourself a little bit of wiggle room on either side. If you're adding it all up, I say you want your total ownership to add up to somewhere to like 100 to 140-ish. All right. Lastly, is this player a good tournament play? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just framing this kind of as a... Um, extension of the last question so when you're looking for for those uh tournament ranges those ownership projections uh you, you obviously don't want all players that have exactly like say 15 percent projected ownership like your average is going to be 15 percent, but you need somebody that's more contrarian than that right so you kind of want a mix of chalk and contrarian plays so if we look at <clears throat> tournaments this year we've kind of seen that most lineups have a running back that's like sub 15% and then a wide receiver or two that's sub 15% and usually a tight end that's somewhere around sub 10%. So I, I would say if you're building your tournament lineups and you don't have a player that's around 5%, one or two of those players and then another one or two players it's like 15 10 to 15% um then your player pool as a whole is probably a little bit too chalky so mix in one or two five percentage plays um depending on the position mix in one or two 10 to 15 percentage plays and then if that average comes out to that range we talked about before then you're probably kind of on the right track obviously that's there's no perfect solution but like those are kind of the the ranges you should be thinking about all right, buddy, that's, uh, that'll do it. It was a really fun show. I enjoy yeah. it as always. And sign up now if you missed our Black Friday sale. Guess what? Made a great price for you. The permanent price right through the playoffs, right through the NFC Championship game uh, and the A AFC Championship game. Permanent price of DFS sub dropped to $24 right now, 444.com. Yeah, weekly content, uh, all of... Um you know, both DraftKings, FanDuel, and then Yahoo as well. Uh, we got uh, showdown write-ups on there, all of our lineup projections, uh, lineup generator, all of our DFS tools. So it's it's a really good value. Even if you're only playing one week, um, I think $24 is a great value. Uh, if you want more of what we have to say or, or think, you can find us on Twitter. Holden is at Holden Radio. 444 is at 444 Football. I'm at TG Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys next week. Turn up the lights in your baby.